1: Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga. From my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today I have one of my favorite co-hosts back. My brother John, Frank, wee! Physical therapy. Yeah, good to be back. Back in the sauna. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Well, we have a lot of things we can discuss, and um, we've talked about a lot of different things, including quantum physics. But for those of you out there (laughs) like me who might start to drift off when John explains quantum physics, I decided to stick with something that um, a lot of us can probably relate to. And you might have even heard about it. It's called the yoga butt. And we're not talking about as in, "Whoa, she's got a cute yoga butt. It's all lifted and stuff. It's the yoga butt syndrome, which is when you have a pain in your butt. Um, And some people will complain about it, like they're sitting down and they feel a pain. Often this is referred to when when they when people are folding forward and they feel a pull and this becomes like this chronic pain. So I was actually explaining it to John. It's been a number of years since he's been practicing yoga, but this yoga butt syndrome is huge. And it is essentially not really the butt per se, but it is the underneath the butt flesh where the hamstrings insert onto the ischial tuberosity, otherwise known as your sit bone. So if this area sounds familiar, make sure you tune in and really listen. And if it doesn't sound like something you've um, experienced, still listen up because this is not an area you want to mess around with. Um, We'll talk a little bit about what happens in this area when it's um, overly strained and not mechanically equipped to handle the strain and also um, how the blood supply there is more limited and I think it takes a long time for this area to heal so without further ado i'm gonna let john talk about this a little bit so what do you think is happening when people are complaining about this area
0: so the name of like we will call it proximal hamstring teninopathy, which uh the the three hamstrings insert well there's four but one, the short head of the bicep inserts on the femur, the, the thigh bone. The other three tendon uh, tendon insertions is in the issue of tuberosity, like you said, which is um, it's right underneath the gluteal fold. So it kind of looks, kind of feels like the lower butt, but it's really it's not the gluteus maximus. It's it's the hamstring tendons where they insert into the sitting bone or issue of tuberosity. Now I think it's. I think this is clear indication that people are overstretching their hamstrings and they're overstretching their hamstrings at, as well as using the hamstrings to come back up, let's say from a forward fold. So the muscles in the stretch position and then it's asked to, if you don't use your glutes, you'll use your hamstring in that stretch position to bring your upper trunk back to the vertical position. That might play part two, but I just think it's this uh, idea that the f- more flexible the hamstring, the better. Now I mean, certainly like poses like splits and there's a lot of cool poses that look great and look really you know quite impressive and it is impressive in a way, but uh, it doesn't mean it's good for you to uh, yeah, to try to achieve those poses. Um, uh, hamstring length, a lot of it's genetic. So, um, certainly yogis tend to have very long hamstrings in general. Um, most, um, but, uh, it's the overstretching, the really pulling at the end range. Whenever you try to overstretch a muscle, um, it's, it's going to, uh, you can tear the muscle, you can tear the, uh, Kind of the connection that the tendon has with the bone is the periosteum. Uh, the tendon gradually becomes more bone-like as it gets closer to the bone. So uh, that, lo- that that the, that's kind of a can be a weak link in the chain where the tendon attaches to the bone. So, but it's it's clearly probably overstretching, trying to overstretch. I think mistakenly thinking that the longer the hamstring, more stretch out of it is the better which is not the case, actually. Um, it's like the, you know, it's like the Goldilocks. Uh, you want it not too tight, not too loose, just right. And that's going to be different for different people. So uh, I think overstretching it. and
1: in- Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I was telling John about someone who wrote me who had injured it so badly that she was in the ER um, from a yoga class in a very deep triangle. And I think that again, these poses, it's not to, to, to caution with big danger signs, but it's also, it's just to use your kind of thinking cap here. And, and I think we'll talk a little bit about evolution as well, kind of evolutionary comparative anatomy between human beings and non-human primates and how they have a different structure and really what we're, what the hamstrings are made to do. But What they're not really made to do is be in these lengthened ranges for long periods of time, or and or being pulled in these lengthened ranges over and over and over and over again. Like so, like this is kind of um, coming off of the if you have if you listen to my forward fold podcast, why I don't do seated forward folds. And the biggest reason is it's super, super redundant. If you're doing a vinyasa class and you're doing standing forward folds, which you're getting a lot more information from the floor through ground reaction force that will give your connective tissue more feedback and more um, activity. In other words, there's going to be some inherent safety measures when you have your feet on the floor versus just sitting on the floor and folding over your legs but it's redundant. We don't need to do that. And so we, we kind of need to redefine yoga and redefine stretching that you don't need to go to these large in ranges of motion for the hamstring. What would be the disadvantage? I mean, you've talked about a little bit, but over time of constantly overly stretching this, and then what are the, what, what is the real purpose of the hamstring muscle for primates like oh, ourselves and the non-human primates?
0: Yeah, I mean, And there's something to be said there. I mean, stretching the hamstring in the course of a flow that you're kind of moving active mobility is actually can be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is a total like there, in a standing portfolio while you're talking yeah, like a vinyasa. A vinyasa yeah. Is mm-hmm. very, yeah, that can be very good. And, and, and it, it does depend kind of what your purpose is. You know, interestingly, runners who have the tightest hamstrings are the fastest, um, uh, even more than VO2 max. That predicts when you talk about the same kind of cohort or group of sim- similarly skilled runners, let so say college team. The tight hamstrings actually allow, like a like a rubber band, it allows the tendons to be used as a rubber band. So um, it allows the tendons to kind of stretch and snap back, like a. Like a rubber band, you can imagine. It's like and an that, elastic energy el- source. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. So mm-hmm. that saves a lot of muscular energy. Um, so, but certain times, uh, you know, there is some evidence that uh, uh, stretching the muscles in the, in a safe way um, can help to build hypertrophy of the muscle, as well as it can help to keep the uh, tendons nice and uh, stretchable, which you want. But the, so the hamstrings are very different in humans and like say gorillas or chimpanzees. Uh, hamstrings for humans are mostly the biggest uh, factor or the biggest uh, function is to slow down the swing leg and walking and running. Now with walking, the, the, the hamstring stretches a little bit, but it's there too as the leg swings through and, uh, it there's momentum and it just slows down the momentum uh, of the femur and the tibia, the upper and lower leg bone, so it can't it doesn't you know fly Flop, too far yeah. forward. So it helps as you don't hyperextend the knee. It just slows it down. It also helps to stabilize the uh, the knee on either side. Um, uh, the the buys the the, the, the the outer hamstring helps to absor- absorb shock on um, uh, heel strike very well uh, along with the outer calf, the inner hamstring semi-membranosis is very important because it connects to a lot of ligaments in the, inside the knee. And it kind of protects against valgus stress or that, that knee keep diving in. What it doesn't do though, what it shouldn't do, is it shouldn't be uh, the primary hip extensor, which means let's say you're Going to do a squat and you're going from a bent position to a straight position, or a forward fold and you're coming kind of back up. Um, the hips go from a bent position to straight position. That should be the gluteus maximus uh, by far should be the most important hip extensor. And for humans, that's the way we were made. Um, the glute max was made to be much bigger um, than it is with even a big gorilla, um, and um, it was made to be the primary kind of posture and and hip extensor muscle. Um, with the gorillas, uh, they have very big hamstrings and they're used to produce force and kind of like the motor. Um, uh, our motor is a glute max. Um, so um, a lot of times people get hamstring injuries when they not only overstretch, but I think clearly a lot of yoga classes is overstretch at the end range, try to get more and more. That clearly is going to be, can, uh, can start to tear the tendon where it connects to the bone or, uh, or some other places. Um, but also um, weakness in the gluteus maximus, which is very common. And the hamstrings tend to do overwork. It's called synergistic dominance, which is, is a very common um Kind of condition with a few muscles, like uh, the tensor fasciae gets overused compared to gluteus medius. Those are the side hip muscles. So the hamstring and the yeah, so weak weak glutes, overstretching, really trying to strain too much in the end ranges.
1: Yeah, I often talk about like the glute max is like the first. Um, first string players on a basketball team yeah, and the yeah. hamstrings are like second string and it's string players and it's like if you're going to be in the championship game you're going to want your first string players in you're not going to want your second string players or that's a third string or, a yeah. good
0: analogy, or you can think of it like the hamstrings are, are the three point shooters they're not the rebounders so you try to use a hamstring to do something it's really not it can rebound. Yeah, you, know, you have three point shooters who occasionally get rebounds. But if you try to get those guys to to crash the boards to get the rebounds, the basketball analogy, it's not going to. So, it's, it's they have, they're very. Uh, yeah, it's just the function is often uh, is it's overly um, is not used properly. It's not
1: used properly, right?
0: And it's, it's confusing because hamstrings it feels like your butt because it's right. The it attaches mm-hmm. right underneath the butt, so.
1: Uh, so let's talk about that experience that people feel, because they'll be like, hmm, maybe this is me. And it's this, um, well, obviously people that have actually heard a popping noise when they're doing, and it's almost always when they're doing something in those end ranges, like they're doing a split. Um, they're doing the, um, you, you used to do this pose, Kermasana, uh, where you're like lying, where well, you're sitting on your butt and your arms go underneath. Uh, yeah, and. Yeah. It's like I mean, it's just this crazy, crazy in range position, and I've known people that have, you know, like hurt. It's like a big. I mean, when a tendon tears, it makes a very loud noise. Yeah. Um. So maybe you've had it, so you know already what that sound is. But for some people, it's just like it kind of comes on, and then all of a sudden, it's just there, and they feel it, and it's it's like a dull, achy, and that's a tendonopathy, right? Um, where you're having. Um. This it, it just it's like you can't describe it. It's a pain, but it's more just this like gnawing discomfort. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, any
0: structure in your body does not like too much stress. It's mm-hmm. going to start to break. And so with with that is is um it's, it's it's it weekly in the chain tends to be where the bone connects, tendon connects to the bone. It starts to. Yeah, it starts to change the quality. It becomes more bone like. And it's just the periosteum is the last place where the tendon kind of attaches to the bone. Now, often in shin splints, a lot of tearing and tissue damage with the uh, anterior tibialis, where it attaches to the tibia, is at that kind of uh, transition point. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So, and why is that it tend to be a harder area for it to heal? Because there's more.
0: is just very poor blood supply. I mean, blood, yeah. it's, it's really, I mean, if you, th- there ha- everything's a compromise. So tendons are there to... Um, tendons are either uh, they're strong cable connectors that connect muscle to bone or muscle to bone and ligaments, so like the semi-membranosis. Sometimes they're more uh, designed, like the Achilles tendon, posterior tibialis, and some of the hamstring to Stretch Mm -hmm. and so it can be used for elastic energy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. some tendons are more not like the glute max is, uh, is that you know, that's a big, broad tendon, so it's more of a just a force transducer. It, It goes from it moves the levers or stabilizes the levers, but it doesn't capture elastic energy, it's big and broad. So it's but tendons. All of them, I mean, you have to, they're mostly made of a collagen and elastin to connective the tissue. Uh, they're not, they don't have a rich blood supply because it, that's, you know, you have to compromise between less, more blood. Like if you have blood supply artery capillaries, there's less room for the collagen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, unlike the bone, which is a rich blood supply, it has a lot of little uh, caves and, uh, vacuoles and spaces where uh, it, it, and the bone is actually a much better healer it is much better, than right? ligaments when, mm-hmm. so so it is best not to
1: mess with, really the with the soft yeah. tissue yeah. and ligaments
0: cuz it doesn't heal very and well and this is
1: what i tell people a lot they'll they'll have that and they they start to feel better
0: yeah,
1: And this is true after straining a ligament, but it's really true in this ischial tuberosity area and this yoga butt thing, because they'll start to feel better. And there's almost this like kind of achy desire to stretch it out because yeah. they, it, it, they're getting the wrong message. It's like, oh, well, it feels a little weird. I need to stretch it. Right. And, and then it just becomes this vicious cycle. I, I've known people who've had these yoga butt pain for years. I mean, literally years because... Yeah it'll start to maybe get a little stronger and then they'll re-injure it because the, right. the, just, the healing has not fully happened and they haven't done the work of, and we'll talk now about like, well, what do you do with that, but yeah. um, just know if this is something that is sounding familiar to you, the answer is not to go and stretch deeper. It is really yeah. to um, start looking at your form first of all. So one thing that I um, don't do when I uh, do standing forward folds is Kind of this classic swan dive, where the arms go out to the side. There's a couple of reasons I don't do it. One has to do with the um, scapular humor rhythm and um, going out into ab- abduction away from away from the body is a much more challenging biomechanical position for the shoulder joint. Um, the other reason is that it tends to kind of overly get you too much extension in your spine without the Proper co contraction of the trunk. And I think that pulls on that lever of the ischial tuberosity as you fold forward. And then, like you were saying, as you come up. So, everyone that's out there, um, imagine this. If you're standing and you have seen yogis sweep their arms straight out to the side and the arms come up, and then they just do this kind of swan dive where their arms come out to the side as they're folding forward from the hips, you're loading your back. Um, which you are as well when your arms go straight forward however that kind of bringing it out to the side almost pushes your thoracic spine forward more and that can lead to this pull on the back line of the body and then the hinge point is around the pelvis and on the back part of that is the ischial tuberosity so that very swan divey thing i think is putting strain on some a lot of things on the back line, but in particular, I think it really pulls on that hamstring. And there's no counter pull because a lot of people are just allowing their pelvis to just push back and then only creating more torque on that ischial tuberosity, which is where the hamstring tendon is. Would you agree with that, John? Chapin? Yeah, I, I
0: would. I would. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, for forward bend, it's one thing is you want to do is keep your center mass. As, as within the, the confines of the feet in the middle of the feet as much as you can. So when you do a So when your hips don't aren't allowed to go back a little bit, a slightly bent knee allows that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that keeps the center mass right within the base of the, the middle of the, uh, of the feet. But when you kind of do one where you, your hips don't go back and your knees are straight and you're really stretching the hamstrings quite a bit then. So mm-hmm. by bending the knees, you're allowing the hamstrings to get a little slack and by allowing the hips to go back you're actually stretching more the the glute muscles and the piriformis and all the other uh, but the swan dive not only you know your center mass is more forward so there's there's a lever gravity has a lever a bigger a lever arm and you have to you have to you have to kind of guard against that you have to use your muscles your back extensors tend to be overused your hamstrings but also the hamstrings in the uh, shortened position. I mean, in a lengthened position, and mm-hmm. is a weaker position. So the hamstrings, interestingly, when we run, we use the, the hamstrings are quasi-isometrical. That means you, they don't change length, um, and so. Good runners, they just keep their hamstring in the mid length, the strongest length. Uh, muscles are usually strongest somewhere around the mid length, uh, and so the body tries to use that by keeping those muscles in the mid length as much as they can. So that's called
1: length tension ratio. So there's like a spectrum, that's and right. the best place or the for optimal performance is usually in the middle of the spectrum, right? Like not on either end. That's right. That's yeah. right. Is that
0: again the Goldilocks uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, kind of a, a phenomenon but so basically you know the hamstrings were really made um and they've uh, they were kind of pointing more backwards in humans compared to gorillas chimpanzees to accommodate the muscle being in a not such a lengthened position to slow down the swing leg right before the heel strikes and gait. so it the body works hard to try to just maintain a uh, try to use those muscles in the mid length mm-hmm. And so when you con- constantly kind of stretch, try to overstretch, like you're at the end range, you want to get more, you want to get deeper. And I I've done that before and I can understand that. You want to be faster if you're a runner, you want, you know, obviously stretching happens with yoga. So you want to be more flexible, that must be better. And you also you're using your hamstrings. Sometimes I mean it's good to strengthen them, but you're using them in. Uh, like a lengthen position if you're using them to swan dive and then come back up eccentric uh so you, it's this is an overuse too but i i think probably by far the most most um uh kind of reason why yogis get it is because they this is like to, yeah they, they like to stress your hamstrings they like to really push it at the end yeah. range and you know you're just husking for trouble i
1: know and the other thing i um I really, so this is something people can try. So when people, when I say standing split, I've used that word for a while and I, and I wish I would just change it because I, I know that people's first, what pops into their mind is this like big, you know, standing on one leg and the other leg is way up like a ballerina. And what I really refer to, and unfortunately everybody in my studio understands this, is more like a standing L shape where your hands are directly under your shoulders. You're on what? to so say your left leg is on the floor. Your right leg is um, off the floor, but it comes only up to 90 degrees. So the pelvis stays level and the hands are directly under the shoulders. If you can't get your hands on the floor, you can put them on blocks, but you can always bend your bottom knee as well. That left leg to accommodate any of the pull that you feel in your hamstring or even up into the back line, because really you have to think of the hamstrings is not just the back of the leg but all the things they attach to which includes, you know the fascia um around your butt and into the back and all that and, yeah yeah so into this, and, and into the, the calf. ligaments yeah, sacroiliac ligaments yes, it's a very- it's a lot there's a lot of complex uh, connections but so i think when you're practicing think less about how big you can make this um kind of inhabit this pose and more about the feeling in the pose. So when you have these when you have your hands on blocks or the floor you're getting information into your arms into your into your back which is sharing that fascia into with the hamstring. So you're connecting and by connecting and communicating that way you're actually helping the performance of the hamstring by by having more things involved. So in other words if you would have your hands on the floor but just sink down and try and get your head down to the floor you're actually pulling you're um, pulling on your hamstring more, which some would think, oh, well, this is what I want to do, but nothing up atop in your back body is actually giving it support, giving it structural support and energy. And so by kind of sinking your head down in this classical s- standing split position, the pull on that bottom hamstring is, is, a, is significant. And so a lot of people think that well, that's what you want to feel, but it's, I think, too much over and over again. Yeah, and you know, and I think first of all, a it's a great way to the way I teach it is weight a great way of, of weight shifting into a handstand, but it's just also a great way to distribute the energy so the whole body is yeah. getting stronger and more flexible in this very global sense. So yeah, the I, I agree. Body I, mean, I think getting, the
0: standing yeah. splits great, and this you want to strengthen this, gonna stretch it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's all within. It, I like the standing split because it really. It first of all, it limits. You can't. It's hard to overstretch it. Is 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 a hard pose. I mean, it takes a yeah. lot of energy, and you're strengthening that muscle in the end range, which is good. So, uh, yeah, the standing split is a great pose. Like the way um, I'm talking about. That. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It, uh, mm-hmm. And actually, what's funny is the the more flexible you are, probably the less you need these poses. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you i mean it's it can look, it makes that's sense why i
1: like, really i just go up into a handstand usually because it's like well it feels good but yeah. i don't need to stay there to make anything no longer i, mean, I just you, want to work on something different which is getting on my hands
0: yeah i mean you see someone who can easily get into a 180 um like the, the the top leg going pointing straight up they probably need to strengthen
1: and strengthening more. Yeah. and yeah. shortening
0: it i mean it's it's uh it certainly looks cool but uh it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, you probably, and that's, and this is a human nature to really just do things that you're good at. I mean, I do mm-hmm. it all the time with running. I, yeah, you know, I'm not as good in running fast anymore. So I like to run slower and longer, but, you know, it's not the best to do it that way. You, you got to work on, you got to kind of work on some of your weaknesses. And as well as not only your strength, so right. I think I think that's uh, that's
1: yeah. And, and the thing is, I mean, there there are going to be people out there that will never experience the the yoga butt syndrome because they have really tight hamstrings, and that's not going to be their issue. But I will say that it is. There's enough people that I've seen it happen to over the years. That I, Yes, I think it happens to very flexible people, but I also think it happens to oh, sure. the mid-range mid, mid range of flexibility people as well. So here are the things that you can do. We know that it takes a while if you do injure it and do overly stretch it and overstrain it. It takes a while for it to heal. In the healing time, or let's say this is prehab or rehab. So you could do this if you've never had it happen or you can do it if you're kind of, if it's happened to you and you're coming back. And that is you need to bring strength right around the musculotendinous junction. Um, and I do that a lot in my, um, classes, like in a pelvic tilt, just squeezing at the sit bone. So you're, yeah, your glute is firming, but it's also really, um, tightening in because you need to bring an awareness at that area. Um, is that something that you would, Anything, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The 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 glute. I mean, so I mean, the first thing is just don't mess with it. Just, you know,
1: just <laughs> stop ever stretching it. <laughs> you can walk.
0: You can do almost most things that. Oh, walking you're saying is once good. you've
1: injured it. Once yeah, you've injured, yeah, yeah. just
0: don't, don't overstretch. And, and and then you know, if it, if it's kind of like in that chronic, I mean, you might have to strengthen it. And there's certain things like the Nordic hamstring curl, which is uh, just like the Achilles. You you if you have an injured tendon that the quality is still not you know it's more chronic and it's still not great you can do these lengthening contractions under load um i was just you know mm-hmm. which uh, means you're lengthening you go very slowly and you slowly uh lengthen the tendon and muscle would, the, would, uh, you, be gravity. In,
1: would you be in prone or like on your stomach uh, or in a- so th- that one you'd
0: be sometimes kneeling they do it mm-hmm. um you can do a glute hamstring machine where you're a little counter leap levered over uh, like a table. You have, you have to be very careful not to overstrain the back but mm-hmm. uh, that, that's for um, that's for uh, but one is like you're kneeling and you slowly go forward and try to control it as you're using your hamstrings to control the, like if you're leaning and you're going towards a wall and you just Mm, try to slow it down. Um,
1: Both, you're leaning on both knees. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You might, you know, you can even just do, you know, so those are, there's a proper place. There's the eccentric,
1: uh, is tendon specific kind of rehab. They're called uh, eccentric strengthening. Eccentric for people that don't understand that there's different type of muscle contraction. Isometric is when you're not moving you're contracting, but there is no change in the muscle length. So you were just to like tighten your belly and hold it, hold it, hold it. That would be a form of isometric. Isotonic is that there is a change in tension. So um, your mood, there's movement and there's a change in the tension throughout the range. So um, like a leg extension machine is isotonic. And then and in the, that type of, type of contraction, there can be a concentric or an eccentric type of contraction. So concentric is when two ends of the joint are coming closer together, so that the the muscle is getting shortened. And then um, eccentric, which John is referring to, is when two ends of the joint are moving apart, and it's known as a kind of slowing down or controlling the descent or the when things are when those two joints are moving, the two ends of the joints are moving apart. So it's it's easier done but there's usually um more i guess um more what's the word i'm looking for you, you feel so- it more afterwards yeah there's the, the <laughs> delayed onset, yeah, delayed and, onset. And, and, and it causes a small microcurrent
0: to be formed in the tendon mm-hmm. it causes a, it's called a piezoelectric effect mm-hmm. and that's spurs the body to rebuild the tendon It's mm-hmm. they just found that that they use it sometimes with you know if, if you have a fracture and you're trying to heal your fracture sometimes you'll do electrical stimulation with microcurrent but it's a it's a signal to the muscle a signal to the body to start making new and stronger collagen which is the m- main main structural protein of the body i think the I think the big, but I think the biggest thing is your head, your mental. You you just have to change your kind of like concept of what's a healthy way, you know what what's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. We used to, in physical therapy, they used to, we, I used to think, you know, I've been taught like hamstrings, tight hamstrings cause your back to round, causes back pain. But yeah, it really is not the case. Um, It's poor movement quality. The hamstrings, tightness in the hamstrings does not cause your back to round. Because when you're standing, first of all, your hamstrings is not in a lengthened position. So it's not the fact that it's being tight at the end range that causes the spine to round. I think that's um, such
1: a reductionist thing. And I remember actually a couple yeah. of years ago.
0: There's never been evidence that right. the, the, the hamstrings, um yeah, tight hamstrings cause it. It's
1: uh I was talking to this um so I was talking to this orthopedic surgeon for many, many athletes in in Penn at UPenn. And he was and he was we were talking I met him through a different source and when he found out I was a physical therapist, he's like, yeah, well and a yoga teacher yeah he um he didn't know I was a PT but he said oh yeah well we're always working on getting our guys to have you know more hamstring flexibility because they just have get so much low back pain and i was like i don't think that has anything to t- i don't think that really has probably anything to do with it and he looked at me and he's like really i mean there's just they're so they're so inflexible and i'm like how are their glutes firing i mean and he was like wow i don't even know you know and about 2 weeks later he wrote me and he's like holy cow. Yeah. It I mean, was really interesting because he he just was taking what like the kind of perception was tight hamstrings equal that you're that yeah. when you have low back pain, stretch now, out. Ironically, your hamstrings. Yeah.
0: so if you overuse the hamstrings, you people who who overuse their hamstrings tend to overuse their lower back for extension mm-hmm. and they underuse their glute. Now That's called cross pelvic syndrome. Sometimes it's related to tight hip flexors. Sometimes people don't have tight hip flexors, but they overuse the hamstring and and the lower back muscles to extend the trunk, extend the body to go to a straight position. And they underuse the glute max. And that puts a lot of compressive forces unnecessarily on the lower back uh, because they're using their erector spinae muscles and that's connected to uh, overuse of the hamstring too. So the hamstring could kind of be tight from overuse, or uh, but it's really the stretching the hamstrings. I can do anything. It's usually they have very minimal glute function.
1: Oh, I've seen that too. Or very, sometimes uh, they're so yeah.
0: atrophy, but sometimes it's not so clear. But if you ask, if you put your fingertips on their glutes and push in, and you say, "Okay, squeeze your glutes." They got nothing, and mm-hmm. you can see their hamstring, uh, and you can see exactly where that um, that yoga butt, the uh, where the tendon attaches to the issue of tuberosity. You can see it pulsing there because mm. they can't; they don't know how to use it. So that's a very it's called cross pelvic syndrome, but it's not due to you know. Uh, the round is when they when they bend forward, they're using their rectus abdominis to do it and then grab the afterwards instead of using their like psoas and iliacus, which are the hip primary hip flexors, kind of like the glutes, primary hip extensor. It's a motor patterning. They don't know how to use these core muscles correctly around the hips, but um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's the other thing is that not only like try and eliminate the swan dive and really pay attention to how you forward fold, how you do your standing split, but also pay attention to like when you're doing a cobra or anything on your stomach. Um, If you come into a low locust or something like that, where you're lifting your legs and notice where you feel the work being done. And on what I always try and say is, can you, can you even out that workload? So in other words, your back should feel like it's working. Your butt should feel like it's working your hamstrings, but they should all work Together so that there isn't feeling compressive forces in the low back. You're not lifting up high enough that you would be shortening and pushing into the low back, but actually lifting the belly up a little bit um, to collaborate, you know, to to help the front body so that the low back isn't being overly extended. And then think and maybe put your hands on your glute and put your hands down by your ischial tuberosity and, and get some awareness and firing there as well. Cause usually the top end of the hamstring might not be the area that would be overly being used anyway. Um, and then just feeling that you don't have to go to these end ranges. I don't, I don't want to say don't do things like triangle pose or splits, but, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't practice those personally. Um, and I can. I can do a triangle. I think triangle is a really wonky pose, quite frankly. I think it puts a lot of... Jo- John's shaking his head too. I yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just like, I've done it for years and I used to love it. And then I started examining and thinking like, when I'm watching people, that's when I notice how many variations like in a body. Like, what? And I just think, globally thinking most people in... A triangle pose is probably not the best pose. It's putting a load on that um, that uh, the lower leg, say if you're in left leg for triangle. Um, a lot of people like collapse into the ischial tuberosity on that left side. They just kind of sink their hip into it and that pulls on the hamstring in a weird way. And then you load it on top because you're flexing your, you're laterally flexing your your trunk over that leg. And then you've got your top SI joint. It's just a lot of things yeah, that are asymmetrical. And they so, tend to hyperextend
0: their knees. Too. Yeah, yeah. But a bent knee triangle could be very good. Oh no, I like so bent triangle. triangle. Yeah. yeah. So you can make these very. Because then you can also
1: make it that really strong. I think the straight leg triangle is. It's really hard to have that kind of length in, in a, with that load of your upper body and do it well. <laughs>
0: So, yeah I mean you can and you can have all different angles of knee, you can do it sometimes with the slightly or more modestly bent legs and I'm like half moon,
1: in. I love, which does put a lot of yeah, load half moons on are great but half pelvis. moon is like your your pelvis is right on top of your your hip is right on top of your ankle, so that load is more it's like very evenly distributed so you can really like versus triangle where the the hip is not right on top of the ankle it's way back and so anyway the point is examine what feels good for you but think about are you getting everything surrounding the hip and knee and trunk contracted to support the pose that you're in versus just kind of sinking into the knee or the uh, or into the hamstring Um, because it will, over time, not appreciate it. And I just feel like we need to really talk about this yoga butt syndrome. Um, I think one of the... um, Julie Gumstead, I think is her name. I think I'm going to say that wrong. But she's another physical therapist um, who writes for Yoga Journal. And I think she was involved in some study and was quoted as saying that this yoga butt, this hamstring insertion, proximal hamstring insertion, tendinopathy, is... Almost isolated in yogis. Like it, it was found that when people complain of this, it was really an isolated um, population. Sometimes somebody would like rock climb or something, overly extend, and like, or they'd slip on ice and have this injury. But in terms of like an overuse injury, it was really isolated to yog- yoga people. Yeah, Otherwise, well, hamstring strains are not, they're, they're, they're like in the mid belly, they're not in this um, proximal insertion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, in runners, it tends to be the the outer hamstring. There's two inner, one outer, the biceps femoris. With overstretching, it tends to be one of the two inner hamstrings, but they all connect. You know, with runners, you can't have it at the butt, but it's from a different mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, similar, you're, it's usually from overstriding, but it's, in some ways it's similar because you're, the muscle's being used to... It can be, it is mostly mid muscle, but it can be also at the tendon insertion, but it's from trying to, you're, 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 you're not using your hamstrings in an isometric fashion. You're trying to kind of, you're reaching out with your foot and the hamstring has to work really hard to pull back. Pull back. Um, so in some ways it's similar That is it's working in a lengthened range to do something. It's not, uh, exactly the same because you're not like really pushing them over stretching but she's right in that. I mean it's the uh, gym maybe dancers people who over uh, tend to get this uh, tend to get this much more right. and they, um so yeah. I agree so take with that. care
1: of your hamstrings so you don't have the yoga butt and get a good yoga butt by developing your gluteus maximus which will also Help the tendency to overly use your hamstrings in 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 ways that you shouldn't when they should be either sitting on the bench or <laughs> making the three point shot or whatever. So, yeah. thank you so much, John. It's yeah. always so fun to talk yeah. to you, and I bet people are going to enjoy all your perspectives about this yoga butt syndrome. Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah,
0: uh, yeah it's it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I, I'm not surprised. It's very common for those reasons. Yeah,
1: and I always about. feel bad when I hear somebody has it because. It's a bummer, and it takes a while to recover from, and the the recovery has to be done with a new, kind of just new perspective Yeah. that you want to strengthen, and you don't want to go into those end ranges. There's no reason to go into those end ranges, even though yoga has glorified them. Um, There really isn't. Right,
0: right, that's exactly
1: right. Yeah, so anyway, take care, keep moving, keep your butt happy, and thank you, John. Yep, thank you. All right, love to you all, bye.